Good morning. Good to see you. Good to see you this morning. Wonderful to worship together, as always. Um, yeah, last week we uh, last week we talked about the value, the importance of of prayer walking. Talked about the value, the importance. We see it right throughout the scripture of uh, set, setting our feet on the land and uh, try to be as provocative as possible by saying, "If you're not going to, if you're not going to claim it, if you're not going to declare His lordship over it, you're not getting it." Uh, that seemed to be what God was saying to Joshua. Joshua, everywhere that you set your feet, everywhere you walk, declaring the lordship of Jesus, regardless of what the enemy, regardless of how he has taken it, um, if you're not going to set your foot on it, you're not going to get it. And, uh, and so we talked a wee bit about that, and we, uh, we, we, we shared some, some practical stuff towards the end of our time together last Sunday. Uh, using the, the acronym WALK, uh, that we would worship, and that we would ask, that we would listen, and that we would know. And, um, and so weather dependent over the, over the sort of spring and summertime, we want to we wanna put some of that into practice. We want to we wanna go to our, our health center, we want to go to our schools, we want to walk the estates, and, uh, and, uh, and, just, and actually just bless it. We want to pray God's blessing on it that he would shine upon it, that he would lift his eyes over it. He would raise, uh, raise people up in this community um, to know him and to walk with him. And, uh, and so we want to put some of that into practice over the next, over this uh, spring, summer season, whenever it eventually comes. See, we uh, increasingly realize as uh, we've been here almost a year in, right in the heart of this community, and, uh, and so I, I don't know about you. I know some of you. Have, this isn't this isn't necessarily your home community, and uh, and it excites me even more that people that don't call necessarily call Rich Hill home, but yet their God has stirred their heart for this place and stirred their heart for this people. And um, but now, as as we've been here almost a year, increasingly find myself asking God, we just need wisdom. We need to we need to hear your heart. We need uh, we need uh, we need your understanding. We need your discernment, and uh, and so we we've, I suppose we've always been there. I think we're just um, exaggerating it a wee bit over these over the last couple of weeks. And uh, we went to Proverbs chapter eight last week, and and I've uh, been challenged, comforted, reminded of those verses in at the beginning of chapter eight um, that wisdom is calling out at the entrance to the city. Understanding is raising our voice, the crossroads. And uh, and sometimes it feels like we're at a bit of a crossroads, but it's there that wisdom, it's there that discernment, it's there in that place that understanding raises its voice. It's at the entrance to the city gates. It's at the entrance to the city gates that wisdom is crying out. And uh, and we wanna we wanna be in that place. We wanna we wanna be at the city gates, we wanna be at the crossroads, uh, because we wanna hear the voice of the Lord. We want to hear the wisdom of the Lord uh, in this season. And so um, over the last number of months, our, 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 the series has been entitled, what's it been entitled? Into the Deep. And uh, I, uh, I sort of half joking because I know maybe we've taken liberties with the, with the, uh, with the title. It's maybe felt a wee bit loose at times. Um, 
but generally that's what we've been asking that's been the theme of our of our Sunday morning conversations together uh, into the deepens we've looked at our prayer life we've looked at that more than anything I think our prayer life we've talked a wee bit about worship we've talked a wee bit probably a wee bit even less around our discipleship our relationships with one another but it's those three areas that we've wanted to we've wanted to push out into the deep we felt that was the invitation that the Lord was offering to us uh, the same way that he did to Peter in Luke chapter 5 and Peter it's it's time to put out a little deep it's time to go out into the deep we felt like that's what he was inviting us to when it came to how we prayed how we prioritized prayer when it came to worship, when it came to relationships. I suppose towards the end of last, towards the end of our time together last Sunday, um, I just had this feeling towards the end of our time last Sunday that we'd maybe talk a wee bit around the Bible and, uh, and the idea of going a little deeper where that's concerned. And as we do that a wee bit this morning, it's going to require of you the same thing that all these other areas have talked about. The theme that's came through, for me anyway, as we've talked about our prayer life and worship and relationships, there's certain th- things that have, that have risen to the surface for me as I've prepared and as I've listened and as I've engaged in conversation afterwards. There's things that rise to the surface, I think. And, and for me, those things have been that when we are talking about going into the deep, where prayer life, worship, relationships, and this morning where the Bible's concerned, it always means surrender. It always means letting go of ego. It always means letting go of agenda. It always means laying down your rights and your pride. And, uh, and that's risen to the surface for me. And often, often it involves wrestling. Often it involves wrestling. And, and, and I tell you, when it comes to especially a prayer life, for me anyway, when it comes to prayer life, it, is all, it always means surrender. It always means laying down my own agenda, my own ego. It means, uh, and it often involves wrestling. And so as we come to, the, to consider and have a conversation around the Bible this morning, I would suggest if we're going to go a little deeper, that the same thing applies. It's, there's maybe some ego that needs to lay down some of your own agenda because sometimes I do it I don't know if you're guilty of it but sometimes I come with my own agenda to the Bible to make it say what I have already decided that I wanted to say we're conditioned to come with our own pre-commitments and, um, and so sometimes for me as, we, as I've tried to push in a little deeper into the Bible it's meant laying down my agenda it's meant laying down my ego and I can guarantee you I can assure you for me anyway it is it is not just that it often involves wrestling, it feels like it's always involved wrestling. See, I don't know if, if everybody in the room is familiar with this statement. Send to the send a few people at the start of our at this as we were gathering around coffee this morning. Um I heard this statement often. I don't know if you have uh, heard the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. And I grew up almost feeling like I had to I had to toe the party line. Had to toe the party line. Well, if that's, if that's what I'm being told, if, it's, if I come to the Bible and the Bible says it, I have to believe it. That settles it. And, I, and if you use that language, if that's a statement that you love to use, uh, please don't be offended this morning. But I've just come to really dislike that statement. Come to really 
um, just feel like it's it's it doesn't hold it just doesn't hold it just doesn't hold the same weight for me as it maybe once did because the more that I study the Bible the deeper that I go into this the less I believe that it's easy to understand somebody coughed or I didn't say the less I believe the less I believe it is easy to understand in case the coughing drowned that out the more that I go in, the more that I study the Bible, the less I'm, I believe that it's easy to understand. But what I, have, what I have become certain of is that it's definitely not a rule book. I've become certain of that. I've become certain of, uh, the, certain of, the, of the fact that it's not an, an owner's manual. And I probably can't speak into what an owner's manual is, but me and Judith, got, it's just a good excuse to say that me and Judith got a new car this week. I uh, almost feel like we want to grieve this morning. The, the seven-seater finally laid down, give up the ghost. Yeah, 20 years later, served us so well. But it's up at the, it's up at the castle now. Dad is going to squeeze the last bit of life that he can possibly get out of it. Uh, it's up, up at the castle. We got a new car, and so there's an owner's manual in it. And, and uh, Judith was looking at it. I don't think I've ever looked at an owner's manual in my life. But apparently it in it gives you all the specifications, gives you all the instructions, and it uh, tells you what to do when something goes wrong. If there's a light comes on, apparently you're supposed to bring it to the mechanic. I didn't realize that. But apparently if a light comes on in your car, you go to the owner's manual and it tells you what might be wrong with it. But oftentimes that we've, we've, we come to the Bible with the same sort of mentality. We come that this is the rule book that we go to to, to pick up the next, the next play. We, we go to it as, a, as an owner's manual whenever to find a verse when something goes wrong. But increasingly, as I find myself engaging in the story, especially of the children of Israel, that the Exodus story and following it right through, the journey that they went on, the ups and the downs, often often the feel is like many downs, many painful experiences, many painful reminders of where that went wrong. And maybe this doesn't provide any answers, and maybe this is not what you want to hear at times, but for me, the Bible models for us the, this, our own, it models for us our own messy journey of faith. And so I want to suggest, I don't think it's a, a rule book, I don't think it's an owner's manual, but I think it's something that is, that is modeling for us. It's modeling our own messy journey of faith. I, uh, I think I've quoted this, this before. And last week you heard me mention uh, Rachel Held Evans and uh, the influence that some of her thinking has had on me, some of her books. Um, and it was her that said it. It's, she said, I've come to regard with some suspicion those who claim the Bible never troubles them. I can only assume this means they haven't actually read it. I've come to regard with some suspicion those who claim the, the Bible never troubles them. I can only assume this means they haven't actually read it. And part of me feels a wee bit nervous this morning, but what, what has been so key on my journey of following Jesus with all that I have, arms high, heart abandoned, I want to give you all that I have, I felt like this was an important juncture for me. 
this was important because I felt like this was a moment that I, could, that I was given permission to say to the Father, I don't get this. As I went through some parts of the Bible, as I went into some of those places in the Old Testament, I felt like there was, I finally had been given permission, finally given permission to say, Father, this seems so unfair. This, this seems so, I just cannot work this out. And, and so much of what, what I wanted to share this morning was taken in a, in a bit of a, off on a tangent towards the end of the week in conversation with Ian and David. And David came in and, and I've asked David's permission to share this and David came in and had, and had talked about how the night before he'd read through numbers, studying through numbers at the minute. And, uh, and so this is, what, this is what David read. Numbers chapter three. This is the account of the family of Aaron and Moses at the time the Lord talked with Moses on Mount Sinai. The names of the sons of Aaron were Nadab, the firstborn, and Abihu, Eli, Azar, and Ithamar. Those were the names of Aaron's sons, the anointed priests who were ordained to serve as priests. And then verse 4. Nadab and Abihu, however, fell dead before the Lord when they made an offering with unauthorized fire before him in the desert of Sinai. And so here we have the story of the story of Aaron, one who went on to, to, to serve the Lord alongside his, alongside his brother Moses. And, um, and so I listened to David. I listened to David as he, as he talked about his feelings reading that. And as he honestly poured out his heart before the Lord, God, this, this, how can this be fair? How can this be right? And I've had those moments so often. I've had those moments when I've went to 1 Samuel chapter 15 and God, the Lord said, the Lord said, do not spare them, man, woman, or children. And then it goes on to say about what, what he wants done to the men, women, and children. And I go back to that quote of Rachel Held Evans. I want to suggest to you that if you have never read through those stories and been troubled by them, I can only assume that you've never actually read it. I can only assume that you've never allowed yourself to engage with what's going on. Or maybe, maybe we've just grown up with that idea that, well, if the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it, and I'm going on to the next chapter, I'm going on to the next verse. And I just loved the conversation with David and Ian where we went with that. Because for me, it was just like, yes, we can have these conversations. There is permission to have these conversations. There's permission to say I was reading the Bible last night and I just was so angry. I found myself so frustrated with God. I found myself just so disillusioned with why that would happen. And so at this, at this point, I, I'm aware that, that this could bring up more questions than it will bring answers. But, but I want to say it at this juncture. Because I'm not going to provide, I don't, I'm not going to provide any answers to First Samuel 15 or Numbers 3 at this moment. But what I want to, what I, what I feel like I want to say to you this morning is, we haven't got to Jesus yet, but Jesus tells us over and over again in the Gospels, 
If you want to know what my Father is like, look at me. If you want to know the nature of God, if you don't want to know his true characteristics, if you want to know what he is really like, how he really thinks, then look to me. And Jesus said it over and over again. We can't miss it because he says it over and over again. If you want to know what God is like, look at me. And so if we, were to, if we look at Jesus, we see one who is, how he engages with people, how he engages with those who have mistreated him. Ultimately, when he's on the cross, he's hanging from the cross. Father, forgive them because they've acted in ignorance. They don't know what they're doing. That is, that is, the, that is the picture of God that Jesus is telling us, that he, how he wants us to see him. And Paul tells us, Paul tells us that the only message that he wanted to preach was Christ, Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, so this is part of my process. This is part of my thinking over the last couple of years. Jesus, thank you for your words. You have told me that if I want to know what God is truly like, what I, can, what I know, what is available for me to know is what Jesus has said, that if I want to see the Father, I look at Jesus. And then Paul tells me that if I want to see that what Jesus, if I want to see the pinnacle of, of who Jesus was, we go to Christ and him crucified. And he was crucified an ugly, painful death on the cross, laying down his life for the sake of his enemies. And so that's what I do know. That's what I'm certain of. That's what Jesus has revealed. That's what Jesus has made clear. And so I'm aware that, that I'm aware that this that this could potentially bring up cause us to ask more questions than it will provide answers. But it's that, it's that, it's what I do know that I come back to the Old Testament. It's what I do know that I come back into this, into these verses that David's reading. I come back into Numbers 3, trying to hold what I do know, what I am a hundred percent certain of. And I still don't know. David, I still don't know what to say about Numbers 3. But I, can, but I can tell you that Jesus reveals the nature of my God. Jesus reveals the nature of what my Father is really like. One who will lay down his life for the sake of his enemies. And so when I go back, I don't, I'm still struggling. How, do I, how am I going to reconcile these, these verses in Numbers 3? How am I going to reconcile these verses in 1 Samuel chapter 15? And part of me wants to just like share a bit, wee bit of where of what that journey has looked like for me, how that has, how I've been challenged on this journey of uh, engaging with, with the Bible. And the challenge, one of the challenges for me has truly been acknowledging that, I've, that I came with, with conditioned pre-commitments. I came with my own assumptions. I came with a, with a surface reading of Scripture, a flat reading of the text, and that was hugely, hugely challenging. That, that really, uh, I felt really provoked by that a number of years ago whenever I read again the story of uh, Peter in Acts chapter 9 and 10. Peter absolutely loved the word. Peter loved the scriptures. He loved the scriptures. He knew the scriptures inside out. And I remember reading it, reading it one day after I've read it several times over the, over the years of following Jesus and engaging with the word. But I remember really being really challenged reading it and seeing 
that here was a man who had given his life to the scriptures. He was a man who had given his life to, to following God. To surrendering everything. To following the call that God had placed on his life. And it just struck me one day that he, as much as he loved the scriptures, he was missing. He was missing the voice of God. And that thought, that thought just really provoked me. He loved the scriptures, but somehow he was missing the voice of God. And so he has this revelation. God comes and speaks to him in a trance, reveals something to him in a trance. And we, we were told three times, he says, but Lord, but Lord, do you not know the scripture? Do you not know the chapter and verse? Do you not know why that's impossible for me to do? Why I can't do that? Peter was coming with, with how he'd been conditioned. Peter was coming with, his, with, these, with the pre-commitments that he had already um, that I already thought that he assumed that he had to hold on to. He had this pre-commitment to what it said and to what it meant. And how was it? I remember asking myself, how, how is it that you can love the scriptures? You can be so familiar with what they say and what they mean and still miss the voice of God. I'm not sure who came up with this analogy, but I remember a while back hearing an analogy of how the two ways of approaching the Bible, the two ways of using it, maybe a better way of putting it, but in our approach to it, in our use of it, we come, use it as a painting or as a window. And so for, for those that use it as a painting, it is something to look at. It is something to pour over. It is something to inspect. But the other alternative is, is that we use it as a window. And we use it as a window to look through to see Jesus. And that has been, that has been a really important part of my journey with the Bible been a really important part of my desire to go deeper in the Bible has been this acknowledgement, this recognition that it points to Jesus. As simple as that, the Bible points us to Jesus. And so in John chapter 5, in Jesus' conversation um, with the Pharisees, this is what he said. Let me read from verse 36 in John chapter 5. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the very work that the Father has given me to finish and which I am doing testifies that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. Nor does his word dwell in you for you do not believe the one he sent. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. See, these are the, this, isn't, this isn't my idea. This isn't my conclusion. This is the words of Jesus himself. 
It all points to me. It all points to me. And here again, I'm, I'm, left, with, I'm left with this wrestle here with the, the, the Pharisees. These Pharisees who, I, I know once we hear that word, for, for most of us, I think, in the room, we have this negative feeling. There's something, there's a real negative feeling that stirs within us when we even hear the word Pharisee. But you know what? These guys thought they were honoring God. These guys had poured their life into the scriptures. They had diligently studied them over and over again, diligently studying the scriptures and, and here again, diligently poured themselves, laid down their lives in the pursuit of the study of scriptures and yet they missed the voice of God. Yet the word still had not, was not dwelling in them because they'd missed the one it was pointing to. They'd missed that it was all about Jesus. You see, Jesus was essentially saying, you, he was speaking to a people who loved, the word, who loved the scriptures, but he had to tell them, you've missed it because they reveal me. And Eugene was talking a wee bit about this yesterday when we were with him, and he said that the, the problem with the Pharisees was that they had become so conditioned so conditioned to how they thought it was going to look, so conditioned to how they thought it was going to be. They, they, had, they had these pre-commitments. They were conditioned to believe a certain way of what it was going to look like and what it was going to mean. And they were so conditioned that they not only missed his voice, but they missed the kingdom. They missed that the kingdom was at hand. They missed that the kingdom had been inaugurated in the person and ministry of Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, that like over the last couple of years, I am like, oh, Jesus, please. Jesus, please don't let me come to this with my own, with my own uh, conditioned way of thinking, with my own pre-commitments that have, that, have been, that have been taught, that have been assumed, that I've had to carry because of a flat reading of the text, of a surface reading of the text, because I see what can happen. I can see what can, can happen when we become so conditioned. We can miss the voice of God. We can miss the kingdom being among us, the kingdom being at hand. There's been times along this journey of trying to see Jesus and, and, and catching his heart and, and falling more and more in love with him that I've realized I don't automatically, I, I think I would have, I assumed that, well, if I, just, if I just keep reading this, if I just keep reading it, I've realized that I don't automatically come close. And maybe this isn't your experience, but I realize I don't automatically come close to God just because I've read it. There needs to be a heart focus. There needs to be a shift in the focus of my heart. And it's the heart focus that makes all the difference. And so now as I come, I, I find myself getting close to God because when I come to it, my heart is focused on Jesus. My heart is, is recognizing that Jesus, this is all about you. This is all pointing to you. This is all revealing you. And so there's a shift in my heart. There's a shift in the focus of my heart when I acknowledge and recognize and come to it to see Jesus. 2 Timothy 3, verse 15 and 16, these verses that... I reckon many of us in the room have possibly memorized or, or come to know over uh, the course of, of being in church. And, uh, and Paul talking to Timothy says, how from infancy 
Uh, he says to them in verse 14, sorry, as for you, continue in what you have learnt and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise. And so if I if one of the, if I think that's where the Pharisees would have stopped. The Pharisees would have stopped here at this point. That the that that the scriptures are able to make you wise. And they would have stopped. But the verse goes on. Paul goes on. And in the New American Standard Version, it's, it, is, it says it says that they, they are able to make you wise or give you the wisdom. It says, give you the wisdom that leads to Jesus. Give you the wisdom that leads to Jesus. And so if we are coming to the Bible for for information then we'll stop at that point scriptures are able to make you wise no the scriptures are able to make you wise and they give you the wisdom that leads to Jesus and to touch on for like I can't go through a Sunday now without touching on John 14 15 16 or 17 and so when we, I'm, I'm increasingly convinced. I'm increasingly convinced that when we read the Bible to know Jesus, to see Jesus, to experience Jesus, that he will speak by his spirit. He will speak by his spirit. This is the, the, the guarantee that he's given to us. This is the offer that he has given to us. And he tells us that, it was, that he needed to go. He said in chapter 14, verse 26, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you, will remind you of everything that I have said. And so I'm convinced when we read the Bible to know Jesus, he will speak by his spirit. And he says in John 15, verse 26, when the counselor comes, I will, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. He will testify about me. And in John 16, verse 13 to 15, again, Jesus really wants us to know this. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak in his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Over and over, Jesus is saying, when we, when we come to the Bible, when we read the Bible, to know Jesus, to walk in all truth, to, to experience all that he has already said, all that he wants to make known, Spirit will speak. And I know that, and I don't want to disregard, please don't hear me, I don't want to disregard these verses, that the word won't return unto him void I, I know that we've quoted that and I'm not disputing it but I do think I don't think that if you just read it you're getting the word of God it's not necessarily the case if you just read it there's an assumption I think that if you just read it you're getting the word of God And I just, and I wrestle with that a wee bit because the Pharisees read it. The Pharisees read it, but yet they missed the word. The word who came, took on flesh and dwelt among us. They missed the word. And so without focusing on Jesus, 
without coming to the Bible as a window by which we look through it to see Jesus, we can miss him. We can miss the word of God. That's my challenge. My challenge is to begin to to finish is how do you approach? How do you approach how do you approach your Bible? I think there's two ways that we can approach it. There's two ways that I approach it. We approach it for information or we approach it for transformation. And again, this is just my story. This has been my experience, this has been my testimony that when I come when I approach the Bible for information, I am more concerned about being right than I am about following the command to love one another. Because when I come to it for information, I am, I am, I recognize in me that when I do that, I am wanting to be right. And what I, what I know that I do when I come to the Bible, when my approach to it is for information, when I come to it because I want to be right, what automatically happens is that I avoid those that I think are wrong and have the wrong information. And that is not a place that I want to live. It's a place that I have lived and it's a place probably that I still have to wrestle with a wee bit. But that is not, uh, I just don't think that is the Jesus way to live, I don't think it's the Jesus way to to walk away from the scriptures with this with this val- with value and being right more than anything. If if our approach is for information, then we don't need relationship. And again, this is this is for, this is me. This is my this is my personal journey, and I'm and I'm wanting you to consider it. I'm wanting you to be challenged by some of these thoughts. I know when my approach to the Bible is to gather information is for the sake of information. I am aware it's those times where I don't need relationship. It's those times where relationship with Jesus is not, it's not on my priority list. It's not as important to me because I, I'm getting the information. I'm getting the information that I need and I can do that without relationship. And as I've already said, I I think whenever I come with the approach uh, of looking information, it can lead me and possibly us to value being right over the command to love one another. And sometimes I just hear within the body of Christ too many ugly conversations about who is right and who is wrong. Social media, Twitter especially, seems to be one of those places that probably would be better to avoid because it's filled with people who have approached the Bible looking for more information. And they use that, they gather up that information to go and expose those that they think are wrong because they've picked up the wrong information. This is something that that I'm really thinking it would be an important way for us to gather around the Bible. 
is go into the life of the early church and you follow it actually through the first 300 years of history. It was the community of God gathered around the Bible. It was very rarely one person standing at the front doing what I'm doing now. It was the community of God gathered around the Bible. Because that seemed to be God's primary vehicle for revealing his truth to us. The way that he revealed his truth to his people was the people of God gathered around the Bible. And so what we're trying to do and, and what, we, what we continue to love to, to, uh, to implement over the next weeks and months is a way of approaching the Bible together that we would read it. Uh, and upon reading it, then we clarify it. Like, what is it, what is it saying? What is this revealing about God? And what is this revealing about us? What is the promise that he is making? What is the challenge that he has given? And so not just reading it, but clarifying it. And, and, and upon clarifying it, then you begin to meditate upon it and discuss it. And as you discuss it, then you begin to pray about it. And ultimately, the goal is that you would live it. And so it's an approach that, that, I, that we you can implement at any time. We're seeing if there's a tool that we could that we could help, that we could offer to everyone, that we could that we as a community of God gathered around the Bible would be able to gather, read it, clarify it, meditate on it, discuss it, pray it, and live it. And another challenge for you. <laughs> the gap between the gap between uh, Approaching the Bible for information and transformation is called, is the hypocrisy gap. This gap between what we, what we know and what we do. There's a, there's a 15th century, I don't know whether it was a philosopher or I don't think it was a theologian. But he said, uh, Fenelon was his name. He said, if you stopped learning today, if, you, if we stopped learning today, you wouldn't live long enough to put into practice what you already know. He must have been a philosopher. If you stopped learning today, you would not live long enough to put into practice what you already know. And so the goal, the goal, the goal has to be, the goal has to be to move away from this approach of coming to the Bible for information. Closing that gap between information and transformation. We want to come to it to be transformed. And the more you, the more you live it, the more you apply it, the more relevant it becomes in your life. The more relevant this becomes in your life, the more relevant the words and the ways of Jesus become relevant in your life as you approach it to be transformed. As you approach it with the view of seeing Jesus and being transformed into his likeness. And so I'm aware that this feels like one, one of these Sundays, but one of these Sundays where it feels like I'm, I'm just like, this is how I've been engaging with this. It's not what I intended to do this morning, but this, is, this has been my journey. This is how I've approached and engaged. This is what's been challenging for me. And this is what I'm, I'm inviting you to be, to at least ask the question. I'm not saying that, to come on the same journey as me. I'm not saying that your journey is going to be the same. 
But what I do know is that these moments, there's, there's sometimes these moments for me as I come to an end, I'm like, oh my goodness, the, the vulnerability of this just feels too much at times. Because all I'm going on this morning is just like, is, is, is my, my heart, my, my journey, my walk. And for me, that, that creates a vulnerability. But what I've, what I've realized actually, and it's been in conversations that I've had this week, that it is, it is, it is vulnerability. It's that that um, it's that that causes me to to search. In a way, it's that that causes me to go deeper than my safe certainties, than my than my assumptions, than my conditions. There's something about vulnerability that. Uh, that allows us to go deeper. I think it does something in the room when we come uh, to come in that um, with that spirit of vulnerability. And I think we are sometimes closer to the truth. I think we're sometimes closer to the truth in our vulnerability than we are than we are in our safe certainties. And I think we go deeper in that place too. And so I, some of what I wanted to share this morning was just where I've been. Some of it was birthed in conversation, just really good, honest, healthy conversation with, with David and Ian on Friday and others throughout the week. And, um, and so I just wanted to offer some of that this morning. Uh, maybe some of it's not right. But I hope you have grace for me where you feel like I'm way off. Um, but can I pray as we, um, as the guys come back and just finish off with, with one more song. Father, I, I, I just acknowledge that um, apart from you, I'm, I'm nothing. God, I acknowledge that without your, without your spirit, I'm I'm going to miss what you want to say, what you want to reveal. Without your Holy Spirit coming and imparting fresh insight and fresh wisdom, God, that we could miss what you want to do and what you would want to say. And Father, I thank you that Peter eventually caught on to the voice of God. He eventually, maybe slightly reluctantly, maybe stumbling into Cornelius' house, still uncertain of why he was following this, this, uh, this path that seems so contrary to what he thought that he knew. Father, I thank you that ultimately they did. I thank you to cause a household to be saved, to cause a Gentile people to walk and know the goodness and the mercy and the kindness of God. And so, Father, I just, I, I just pray that we would be ones that come and approach your word with the desire to look more like Jesus, the desire to see you, the desire to be transformed into your likeness. And we witness you, we watch you just loving people. We witness and watching you loving the least, laying down your life for those that would even oppose you. That's how you went about living and loving and serving people. Never seemed so consumed or so concerned about being right. And so... 
And so, Father, I, I'm just praying that that what you're doing and what you're revealing and what you're teaching us, God, that it would be it would be pleasing to you, God. I pray that you would, you would continue to search us all. You would search me, God. You would you know me, and and uh, and I pray that everything, God, that I that I want that I want to say and do from a place of wanting you to have all of my heart affection, you having all of my heart attention. And so, God, I pray anything that would maybe been said or presented that was would cause confusion god i pray that it would be forgotten god i pray that it would be led to the side god we pray we would be we would have the robustness god we would have the 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 ability god just to enter into conversations just wrestle through together wrestle through together with the with the hope of going deeper into your revelation going deeper into your heart going deeper into your purposes as so we want to see you we want to know you and I thank you for the people in this room and for the people in this room that we can just engage with honestly. Thank you for the people in this room, God, that we can be vulnerable with. Thank you for the vulnerability sometimes leads us to the truth, leads us to the truth, brings us closer to the truth more than we ever could have thought or imagined. And God, in David's place of vulnerability, God, that, and that place of honesty, saying, I don't get it. God, he's closer to the truth. He was closer to the truth than he maybe even realized. And God, it's in those places that you want to bring us. Those places that you want us to just dig down deep. There's gold, God. There's something to be mined. There's something to be, there's treasure, God, for us to, to take hold of and to carry and to run with. So uh, thank you for this place. Thank you for this people. And, uh, and bless us today, Jesus. Amen.